Hello, greetings, brothers and sisters. This is Rose Nose, and I'm with Reaching Kingdom People. And today, I'd like to do our lesson on Little is Much in God's Hands. In God's kingdom, it's not anything like the world's way. In the world, you must have a lot of money to get things done. But in God's kingdom, our faith is our currency. God can take your little and cause you to do more with your little than someone that has a lot. Don't ever despise your small beginnings, your small money. Take your little and bless it and put it in God's hand. Have faith in God. God doesn't want you or anyone else to get the credit for the miracle or the blessing. He is your father and he take care of you. Also, it's a testimony to others what God can and will do. It grows your faith in him. You start out with a small faith, but it doesn't stay small. Your, faith, your small mustard seed faith grows up to be just like the tree, large. Let's look at Exodus 16, verses 17 and 18. That's Exodus 16, 17 through 18. And this is when Moses were taking the children of Israel in, um, in the, you know, from going to taking them out of the wilderness and going into the promised land. And it says, when the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. And those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. So we say, so God had given them instructions. He didn't tell them to gather for the next day. He gave them instructions. And those that gathered little, they had enough. And they had leftover, leftovers. So, and that's just at the command of God. Let's look at another little but much. Let's look at First King, verse 17, I mean chapter 17, verses 8 through 14. And this is the widow at um, Zarephath. And verse 8 read, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gate of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, she called. he called to her, Bring me a bit of bread, too. 
12. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I just was just going to gather the few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've, what you've said. But make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord and God of Israel said. There, there will always be flour and oil left in your container until the time when the Lord send rain and the crops grow again. So you see, she did what the man of God said. He said, make me bread first. In other words, give God your little first. And you see that she was able to have containers until the time when the Lord sent rain. And the crops grew again. So she had more than enough. And then she had leftovers. But she started out with what? Little. Let's look at uh, Gillian when he defeated the Mennonites in Judges 7 verses 19-22. So we know in that in that chapter, and I'm just going to uh, paraphrase it. Gillian, 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 Gillian sorry, started out with 22 men then he got down to I mean 22,000 men and then he got down to 10,000 and then he only had 300 men to fight the Mennonites so in other words God didn't want him to get the glory God wanted the glory God wanted to show uh, Gillian, Gillian that Little is much when you trust in him. So we know that uh, when they began to fight, um, let's go to verse 20. Then all three crews blew their horns and dropped their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hand and the horns in their right hand. And they shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gilead. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched all the Mennonites rushed around in panic, shouting as they ran to escape. With the 300 Israelites blew their ram horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other in, with their sword. So with those 300 men, God causes the enemy to turn on themselves. So the little became much when we trust in God. Let's look at 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 8, verses 12 through 15. It's talking about a call of generous giving. And it says, verse 9, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though 
he was rich, yet for your sake, that's for our sake, he became poor so that by his poverty, we should make, he could make us rich. Amen. So he did it. He became poor so that we can become rich. And rich is not like in the world's rich. Oh, I got so much, you know, stored up. You know, we start out with the little and God make our little big. Okay, let's drop down to verse 15. As the scripture said, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. And those who gathered only a little had enough. So I hope by now you're getting the point. Little is much when you give it to Jesus. And we and we can see that in Mark six, um, in six chapter 41, 41 through forty four, where Jesus fed the five the five thousand with only five loaves of bread and two fish, and then in Mark eight, Jesus fed four thousand. He, uh, he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them, and broke broke them into pieces. A small fish were found too. So Jesus also blessed these and took to the disciples to distribute them. Then ate as much. You hear me? They ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover. Wow, that's God. <laughs> That's God. When you when you put it in God's hand, he make that little much. You can have leftover. You can have enough and then you can have leftovers. Let's look at the widow's might in Mark 12, 41, 44. And we know that Jesus sat right near the collection box in the temple and all the rich people, they were putting large amounts in. And then in verse 42 came the poor widow, came and dropped in two small coins. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, hey, this is a teaching moment. Come over here. I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions for they gave a tiny part of their sub surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. So, you know, God didn't let that little widow woman give and he not give, give her more than enough. Amen. And let's remember, you remember the, the, um, this, the, the, the parable of the uh, mustard seed in Matthew 17, Jesus said, because you have so much, because you have so little faith, truly, I tell you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So we see that in God's kingdom, Little is much in his kingdom. And it just say that you give what you have to God and he will multiply your small. So I hope you're blessed by this lesson and I hope it, it give you more faith to don't despise your small 
your little money. Don't think you have to have all this money. Give to your, because God is looking at your heart. Give from your heart. Be a willing giver. Be a cheerful giver. That's the word says. Be cheerful when you give. And God would take that little and he would make it much. God wants you rich because he became poor so you can be rich. So take your little, give it to God, bless it first and give it to God. And God's word has promised that he will give you more than enough. You will be satisfied, you and your family. Be blessed, my sister and my brother. Hello, greetings. This is Rose Nose with Reaching Kingdom People. Today our lesson is on get rid of the fear. And this, mo- this morning or this evening, I don't know where you are, but we were going to look at Job uh, chapter 3, verse 25 in the King James Version. And it says, and this is Job talking, he said, for the, for the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. What was Job's fear? In Job 1, 5, Job would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of his ten children. He did it because perhaps his children have sinned and have cursed God in their heart. He did this regular. There were a lot of references to cursing in the book of Job. Job cursed the day he was born. So Job offered burnt offerings unto God just in case his children sinned and cursed God in their hearts. So parents, you might be not offering burnt offerings to God, but you have a fear regarding your children's well-being. We see that Job said, the thing he feared and dreaded has happened. Job feared opening the door. Job's fear opened the door to Satan to do what he feared. Fear opens the door to Satan and closes the door to God. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, very familiar scripture. God For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Fear is a spirit from Satan, and it causes your mind to not be sound. We as believers, we don't walk in fear. That doesn't mean we don't feel fear at times. We don't operate in fear. We don't allow fear to paralyze us to the point we can't move forward. In Romans 1.17, it says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11 
but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for that the just shall live by faith. Hebrew 10, 38, the A portion of that says, Now, when, now, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews eleven six tells us, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Our faith must be in God and God alone. According to the word, the facts of the case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So it has been established that the just shall live by faith. Amen. Do you agree? Amen. We should just use our faith when we want something, but we should use our faith every day. You might be thinking Job didn't live in the world that we're living in, and you are right. But we have a God that never changes. We can, he will take care of us. He loves us. In Isaiah 41.10, it tells us, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I would uphold you with my righteous right hand. Today, I hope you make a quality decision to give your children to the Lord. He loves them more than you can ever love them. Why don't you just give everything over to the Lord? Whatever you are stressing out about, he can handle it. I know you think this is impossible to do, but you are listening to a woman that had to do just that. I trust God more than I trust the enemy. It's not going to happen overnight. Every time you have a worried thought and you say out loud, I gave that over to the Lord. I have rolled that care over unto the Lord. Remember, you have an enemy that's a bully, so he will challenge you. Don't you bag down. Think about it big. Think about how big and great your, our God is and start worshiping God. Before you know it, that fear is gone. I want to leave you with Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. And it reads, come to me, all you who are weary and a burden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke up on you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Remember, fear opens the door to Satan and closes the door to God. Faith slammed the door in Satan's face. And open the door wide open for God. What do you suppose, what do you choose to operate in? Fear or faith? It's up to you. Greetings. My name is Rose Nose. And we will talk about healing. On, I will make series on Christian survival kit 
and this will be the first one and this one is on healing when you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior you were what we call saved and when we look at the Greek word saved it doesn't just save from hell or heaven but we have benefits and the Greek word is called sozo that's S-O-Z-O and it means to escape destruction to keep a whole skin to be healed recover from sickness keep safe or preserved such as a city to preserved or such as a book to bring one home safe from a journey and carry off safe. It means rescue from something such as death. So when we say save, it takes on the whole level of our soul is being saved from hell and our body is being healed, whole, healness. God's for God's promise for us is not to be healed all the time, but to walk in health. Because we're not the, he, the sick trying to get healed. We are the healed, and the enemy is trying to take our health from us. So we must maintain what Jesus obtained on the cross. And we know the scriptures when it says, by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. So what we're going to do, we're just going to walk through the word and just see what God's words say regarding our healing. Because God's word is our final authority. And we look in his word to find out just what he says about our healing. So, our first scripture will be Isaiah 55, verse 11. That's Isaiah 55, verse 11. And I want you to walk through with me. You can listen to this and, and, and get the scriptures down and then go back and go over those scriptures. Because you can just, you need to keep your eyes on the word not just kind of rememberize the word, but we need to look into the word and see just what God is saying. Okay, Isaiah 55, verse 11. And it says, So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper and the thing whereto I sent it. So what it's saying, that what God has spoke out of his mouth, it's not going to be brought to naught, but it's going to be accomplished. It's going to be fulfilled, the things that he has said regarding us. So let's now look at Galatians 3, verse 13. Galatians 3, verse 13. And I'm going to get that. it take me a while. So you walk through with me. And that was Galatians. Galatians. Oh, 
Hold on, let me get it. Verse 13. And let's read that together. And like I say, I like for you to get that also so we can read that together. And that was Galatians 3, verse 13. It is said that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by being made a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hang on a tree so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that he might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So, in the curse is sickness. Sickness is under the curse. But Jesus took that curse by dying on the cross and so that we won't be cursed so we can be blessed. So we see that Jesus went on the cross, died for us, took those stripes on his back so that we might be healed. Amen? So let's look at Ephesians 6 and verse 12. That's Ephesians 6, verse 12. And let's see what it says. That's Ephesians 6, verse 12. Ephesians 6, verse 12. It says, For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the ruler of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So we know that our fight is not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against each other. We have a enemy, which is the devil, that's trying to fight against us, trying to take our healing from us. So let's look at Corinthians 10, the second Corinthians 10, verse 4, and let's see what it says. Second Corinthians 10. Verse 4, and it reads, For thou we for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against the flesh. For the weapons of our war, war warfare, excuse me, are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalt itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we will have, uh, the enemy will come against us in our mind. He would have you to think that you're sick, that you have this uh, all kinds of disease, whatever he think about, whatever, you know, he want to 
bring into your mind, say that, you know, you're sick or you're not, you're not going to get healed. You're going to die. So we have to cast down those imaginations because we know that through crisis, by crisis stripes, that we are healed. So we have to hold on to that so the enemy won't try to to cause us to think that we're sick. All right. So let's look at James 4 and 7. It said, therefore, submit thyself to God. Resist the devil. Resist those thoughts of you being sick. Resist the pain. That's not real. You might you say, yes, I'm hurting. You just don't know. But we have to resist that. And he and he shall flee, flee from you. So when we resist the devil, the words say he has to flee from us. And you say, well, how do I resist the devil? Go in the word. If if the devil say that you're sick, you go to your go to God's word where it say, no, I'm healed by Jesus' stripes. I were healed. I am healed. And I'm going to hold on to my healing. Let's look at Proverbs 4, verses 20 and 23. It says, My son or my daughter, attend to my words, consist and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart, for they are life to those who find them healing is what is healing what is healing god's word is healing and health to all thy flesh keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard for out of it flows the issues of life so you see here that word of god is key for our healing Within the word, within the word, there there's healing and health in our flesh for our flesh. So we have to stay in the word. We have to get the word. We have to get the assurance that we are healed, and we were healed when Jesus is, when Jesus died over two thousand years ago. We were healed. He knew that you were going to experience whatever you're experiencing in sickness or whatever. He knew that you was going to experience that. So he went ahead of you and took that for you for just like he died for your sins, past, present and future sins. He also that also go with our health, the pain, the sickness or disease that come upon us now or in the future. So it's taken care of. So we got to know that when the enemy comes with those lies and say, you're not healed, you, you know, and the doctors say, you, you got this disease. We have to go back to the word and we have to focus on what God says. Let's look at Matthew 8 verses 2 and 3. It say, and behold, a leopard came up to him, him being Jesus, and prostrate himself, worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you are able to cleanse me by curing me. And he reached out his hand and touched him, saying, 
I am willing. Be cleansed by being cured. And instantly his leprosy was cured and cleansed. He didn't know if it was God's will for him to be healed. So he asked, if, if, it's, if you will. So, but we know that it's God's will for us to get our healing every time. That's his will. And his will is his word. Amen. So let's look at Mark chapter 9, verse 23. And it said, and Jesus said, you said to me, if you can do anything, why all things can be uh, are possible to him who believes. So anything that that you can believe is possible. And we're talking in the framework of God's word is possible. So we know that he has healed us by his stripes. So we know that when the enemy come to us and say, you're not healed, you know, and the doctor come to us and say, you have this disease, we always have to go to what God has said. Amen. And we don't let fear slip in because 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 tells us, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but he give us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. So we know that that fear is a spirit and it did not come from God. So we don't accept that. We cast that down. Amen. So I just want to give you um, some how to exercise your faith. Um, God sent his word to heal us and his, and his word works all the time. And one thing about God, he's the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he is going to be the same. If you go back and look at this word a month from here, it'll still say that you're saved. So you hold on to that. He sent his word and he healed it, healed us. He, ke he keeps his word. Your healing may be instant or it may be sometime before you can get, before you can see and feel your total physical effect of God's healing power. So don't let doubt arise just because you don't see it immediately results. And don't let lingering symptoms discourage you. After all, when you go to the doctor, you do not get immediate, be, immediately begin to feel better. No, the medication he gives you usually takes some time before it begins to work. In the same way, the effect of divine healing may not appear instantly either. It may take time for you to feel completely healed. So what do you do in the meantime? Exercise your faith, and this is how. Make God's word your final authority. The words say that by the stripes of Jesus, you were, were is past tense, healed. First Peter 2.24. 
Refuse to believe what you see and feel. Only believe the word. Refuse doubt and unbelief. When the devil whispered doubt and unbelief into your mind, deal with those thoughts immediately. Cast them down. Don't dwell on them. Meditate on God's word. Keep your mind fixed on the promises. Cast your care upon the Lord. The devil would try to use anxiety over your situation to choke the word in your heart so that the promises will become unfruitful. That's Mark 4 and 19. Praise God for your healing. Praise God before you see a manifestation is the highest form of faith. Don't waver. James said that the person who waver in his faith should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. James 1, verse 6 and 7. Never let go. No matter what happens, continue to stand on God's word for your healing. Listen to the word. One of the main methods of keeping your mind renewed to the word is to listen to the word on TV or CD or video or DVD or MP3. Listen to the word. Confess the word concerning your healing. It is difficult to believe that you are healed if you are constantly talking about your sickness. Speak only words that are in agreement with God's will for your healing. And I just want to share you, with you a prayer for healing and health, for health and healing. So let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess your word concerning healing. I believe and say that your word will not return to you void, but will accomplish what it said it will. Therefore, I believe in the name of Jesus that I am healed according to 1 Peter verses 2 and 24. It is written in your word, that Jesus himself took my infirmities and bore my sickness. Matthew 8, 17. Therefore, with great boldness and confidence, I say to the authority of that written word that I am redeemed from the curse of sickness and I refuse to tolerate its symptoms. Satan, I speak to you in the name of Jesus and say that your principalities, your power, your master of spirits who rule in present darkness and spiritual weakness in high, heavenly places are bound from operating against me in any way. I am loosed from your assignment. I am the property of the almighty God and give you no place in me. I dwell in the secret place of the most high God. I abide, remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty. Those powers no flow, foe can withstand. Now, Father, because I reverence and worship you, I have the assurance of your word that the angel of the Lord encamp about me and deliver me from every evil work. No evil shall befall me. 
neither shall any plague or calamity come near my dwelling. I confess the word of God abides in me and delivers me perfect soundness of mind and wholeness in body, spirit, and the deepest part of my natural in my immortal spirit, even to the joint and marrows of my bone. That word is medication and life to my flesh. For the law of the spirit of life operates in me and makes me free from the law of sin and death. I have on the whole armor of God, the shield of faith protect me from all the fiery darks of the wicked. Jesus is the high priest of my confession, and I hold fast to my confession of faith in God's word. I stand immovable and fixed in full assurance that I have health and healing now in the name of Jesus. Amen. That is our prayer. Those are God's word. And we have the assurance that we are healed in our bodies, mind, and soul. Until next time, be healed in the name of Jesus. Greetings. This is Rose Dose with Reaching Kingdom People. Today we're going to be talking about uh, seven steps to effective prayer. If you have been feeling like your prayers aren't bringing results, there is an answer. The Bible has seven steps to effective prayer that have a 100% success rate. And we want to share that with you. If you've been praying, but feel like your prayers aren't bringing, aren't bringing results, there is an answer. Mark, the 11th chapter, verse 24 says, You can pray for anything, and if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. The Bible clearly defines the formula for this kind of successful prayer. That is 100% effective. You were meant to live a successful, overcoming Christian life. God has a magnificent plan for you. He has set aside an inheritance of abundance for you to enjoy. But God's will is not automatically automatic. You have a part to play. If you're ready to experience a 100% success rate in prayer, here are the seven steps to prayer that brings results. Step one, always base your prayer on God's word. This is the confidence we have in approaching God That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. First John five, chapter five, verses 14 and 15. And that is the new, the NIV version. The key to seeing this, the kind of results God wants you to achieve through prayer is not just shooting random errors in the air, hoping something might happen. James wrote, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. James 4, chapter 4, verses 3. And that's the New King James Version. If you want to hit the bull's eye every time you pray, your prayers must be based on the Word of God. You can go boldly to the throne of grace, Hebrews 4, 16. By knowing what God's will is in advance, And having it firmly fixed in your heart. So the first step to praying prayers that bring results is to locate the promise or promises that fit your situation in the word of God. Then, like an arrow to a bull's eye, shoot that prayer with boldness and confidence. This principle works in any area of prayer. Do you need healing in your body? Don't pray what the doctor says or what religious tradition has taught you. Pray by his stripes. I am healed. First Peter 2 24. Say, thank you, Lord, that you provided healing for my body. Help me to receive it now. I thank you and praise you for it. Do you have a financial need? Don't pray your problem. Pray your answer. God has said he will provide for you. So pray. Thank you, God, that you have said you will supply all. How many? All my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I call in this promise now. In the name of Jesus, Philippians 4, 19. When you focus on the answer, it will activate your faith. Step two, submerge your prayers in faith. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Matthew 21, verse 22. Once you begin praying based on God's word, then the next step in praying effectively is to submerge your prayers in faith. That means you don't wait for a manifestation to believe you receive. That's not faith. This might seem difficult at first, but as you practice applying your faith, it will become a way of life for you. Here are some quick Quick start tips for adding faith to your prayer. Believe you receive when you pray. God's word is always true. 
If he says it's done, it's done. So as you pray, begin to move yourself from believing he had, he can to knowing he will. Number two, speak it. Start your confession of faith before you see the manifestation of answers to your prayers. Then hold fast to your confession without wavering. Don't speak faith one day and then doubt the next. Hold on tightly. Don't let go. And no matter how tempting it might be, speak the word only about your situation. Act on it. When the ten lepers came to Jesus for healing, he told them to show themselves to the priests. And when they went, they were cleansed. They didn't stand there and wait for him to do something. They did exactly what he said do. They acted on his word. That is how you apply faith. The same was true with the woman with the issue of blood. She acted on her faith. Then when she reached out to touch his robe by taking her healing, when faith was applied, that when it was faith was acted on, results came. Every single time you act in faith with that kind of dogmatic determination on the word of God, you will always wind up the winner. Stop fear in his tracks. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Second Corinthians 10th chapter verses three through five. Satan is a master trister, but because he doesn't have any real authority, he has to rely on the old, same old tactic, mainly fear. Fear is devastating. It will hinder your belief in God's word. It will stop you from receiving and it will rob you of your blessing. But Satan is wrong 100% of the time. Praise the Lord. He always is. He never told you the truth yet. If you want to see results in your prayer life, Fear and doubt can no longer be part of your vocabulary. You don't always need to say everything you think. And you certainly don't need to say things you don't mean. Jesus said, let your yes be yes, your no be no. Matthew 5 verse 37. Anything outside of that stems from evil. Clean up your vocabulary and begin to talk the word of God. Speak the word only. Refuse to allow doubt and fear to enter your 
consciousness. The Bible says you have the ability to do so. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 through 5. You can't stop the devil from knocking on the door. But you sure don't have to answer. I like when Brother uh, Hagen said, I can't keep the birds from flying over my head, but they sure don't get to nest in my hair. Not only Satan, but even people would try to talk you out of your stand of faith. Don't listen. Say, I refuse to doubt or fear. I am standing on the truth and the truth makes me free. See yourself succeeding. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Joshua 1 and 8. Part of having faith for prayer that brings result is seeing yourself succeeding and taking possession of what you believe in for. Does this mean you see in the natural? No. It means you see it with your spiritual eyes. When you can really see it, don't just in your mind, not just in your mind, but deep down in your spirit. It has become a reality to you as real as a natural manifestation. That's the kind of believing prayer that brings results in the natural. I like what Dr. Bill Winston, he said this way. God told Abraham, as far as you can see, I'll give you. Until you see it, you're not entitled to it. Without revelation, there is no restoration. You've got to see it to have it. Part of seeing yourself succeeding is avoiding places, people, and situations that talk failure. You can't be around people who always talk about failure. It would eventually rub off on you. Decide right now to succeed. Quit planning to fail. Don't plan for a what if plan. Plan for success. Plan for victory. Plan to receive everything you're believing God for. Stretch your faith as far as it will go. I can't, should not be in your vocabulary. Testify that your prayer is answered. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, Revelation 12, verse 11. This verse tells us we overcome the plots, the plans of the enemy two ways. By the blood of Jesus, by the word of our testimony. That means speaking it out. Everything you need has been provided by the blood of Jesus. And as a born, born again believer, those things are rightfully yours. Go at it. Go get it. But we do have an enemy who is out to steal, kill, and destroy our rights. 
Jesus already did his part in defeating him. And our part is simple. Our words. You have taken a lot of steps to get to this point in achieving prayer that brings results. Don't stop now. When you testify your answered prayer, you achieve two things. You claim what is rightfully yours. You have the right to have everything the sacrifice of Jesus procured. When you testify to that right, it brings to take place in your life. It begins to take place in your life. Your testimony of faith will encourage others and help build their faith. That's why Jesus told the man who had been demon possessed to go home and tell your family everything the Lord has done for him. Mark 5 verses 18 through 20. Your testimony is a powerful tool in your prayer life. Number six, get involved helping someone else. The only thing that counts in faith expressing itself through love, Galatians 5 and 6. So far, we've learned that prayer that brings results is fueled by faith. And now we see that faith works by love. In other words, if we want our faith to be at a level that will bring results in our prayer life, we got, we have to, excuse me, we've got to express that faith through love to others. Our faith is strengthened as we reach out to others. So if you're standing and believing for something in prayer, get involved helping someone else. Tell someone else what Jesus has done for you. When you do, all your problems will seem to fold up and just roll away. True prosperity is the ability to use the power of God to meet the needs of mankind in every realm of life. Spiritual, soul, body, financially, and socially. Seven, get on the giving in. Give and it will be given to you. Luke 6, 38. If you want to be on the receiving end of prayer that brings results, start by getting in on the giving in. What does that mean? If you're needing healing, pray for someone else to be healed. James 5, verse 16. The way you measure out is how it would be measured back. The word says God is love. If you need your children to be more involved with God, go witness about salvation to someone else's child. If you need more time, give what little you do. Excuse me. Give what little you do have and ask God to redeem it for you. He'll give it back in abundance. Walk in the light you have and God will give you more. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you again. God is looking for someone he can use to become a channel of his blessings. The more he gives, the more you give. You can become a rich blessing of giving 
not just receiving. If you take the receiving end off your mind and focus on giving, you'll be in the position for answered answered prayer. In conclusion, when you determine to take these seven steps, your prayer Your prayers will bring results every time. All you have to do is develop the kind of believing faith that receives all that God, all that Jesus did for you on the cross. You don't have to struggle in your prayer closet anymore. Go boldly to the throne of grace. I would just like to end with uh, just a little testimony Um, It was during the time that I needed a job. I had a job, but it had got to the point that they were looking for ways to fire me. But thank God they didn't. So I knew right then, hey, it's time for me to look for a job. So it was during the time when you would send your resume to a P.O. box somewhere, you know. So I, I didn't know which way to go. I just said, Lord, I just trust you. Just just I just trust you. I don't know. Turn to the left or to the right. I just know what I know. And I just did what I knew to do. And I sent out resumes. You know, I saw that's when we were looking in the newspaper. (laughs) That's been a long time ago. We was looking in the newspaper for for jobs and I sent out my resumes. So I during this time I was going to church and I was working. I worked the altar. So when. People would come down to the altar. We would go to the back and we would fill out a little information, you know, a little uh, card about a little information about them. So the person this particular time that I was um, talking to or praying for at the altar, she so happened she worked at the bank that I sent my resume to. And I just said, you know, at the end, I just say, ah, you work at Bank One. I just sent a resume, you know, my resume to them. I didn't say that for no other reason than what a coincidence, right? So when she left out, she say, I'm going to pull your resume. I said, oh, okay. So that next week I got a call. I got the resume that I had sent in, I got an interview. Well, it wasn't a job that I really would really would want to have, even though it was a job, but I knew that I would like that. And so she told me, she said, you know, I'm looking at your resume. I, my friend is uh, hiring for this department. And I think you fit in that particular um, department. So make a long story short, I got hired, her friend. I got an interview in this department that was really kind of close to what I used to do. Um, I used to work for corporate trust, and then this was personal trust when I thought, oh, that would be very interesting. So so I did get hired on, and I did get the job. I did get my raise and everything. And so, you know, give all praises to God. God will lead you to the right people. Just, you know, just ask him, Lord, you know, let, you know, let them pass my, you know, pass across me. You're not, you're just doing what you know to do. Just do what you, I let people know that I needed a job. I would do it by, you know, word of mouth. And then I also was doing, you know, what they were doing then was sending their resumes to a PO box. I did that and I got my job. 
God will answer your prayer and he will answer in a way that you don't even think that he would answer. So don't fear or don't fret. Fear is one of your biggest enemies to cancel out faith. So don't do that. Just know that your prayers are going to be answered. And know that what we talked about, those seven steps, go over them. If you have to listen to this again, get the scriptures down. And always, I would always get at least two or three scriptures on what I'm believing God's God God for. If you need help, ask somebody. Get the right scriptures that you're believing for in prayer and you go to that and God follow the steps and you will be successful. Go boldly to the throne of grace. Good evening. Greetings. I don't know if it's evening where you are, but so glad that you joined us. This is Rose Knows with Reaching Kingdom People. And today we're going to talk about the truth about righteousness. Are you righteous? If you see yourself as unworthy or having to earn right standing with God, it's time to learn the truth about righteousness. Do you know the truth about righteousness? One thing holding more Christians in bondage than anything else is a lack of understanding regarding righteousness. That's why every day of our lives on this earth, Satan is going to try to convince you that you don't have any right to the things of God. He's going to try to bring you into bondage against again to sin in order to control your life. But he won't be able to do it if you reawake yourself every day to who you really are in Jesus. Righteousness is a big concept and can often seem complicated to understand. A host of different doctrines flying around doesn't help. But it is critical that we as Christians take the time to discover the truth about righteousness so we can live a life filled with faith and free from hindrance. We're about to burst open the door that has held Christians back for so long. If you've been stuck on the other side of what belongs to you in Jesus Christ, failing to receive everything he has for you, buckle your seatbelt because you're about to go to hyper speed with uncertainty to full-blown, Holy Ghost, fire of God faith. (laughs) Amen. So, 
What is righteousness? Traditional thinking confuses righteousness with holiness. Many people never stop to ask the question, what is righteousness? They think that already they already know the answer and believe righteousness is the way we act. But this is not true. Far from the truth. Holiness is your conduct. Righteousness is what you are, the nature of God. In other words, righteousness is not a goody-goody way of acting or something that you can't attain. The word translated righteousness literally means in right standing. We have been put in right standing with God through the work of Jesus Christ on the Calvary. When a person accepts Jesus, he or she is moved into a position of new birth and enters into the kingdom of God as God's very own child and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And it is critical that Christians began to see themselves as righteous because there is a power in their knowing the truth about righteousness. Faith is a force. Love is a force. Hope is a force. But did you know righteousness is also a force? If you began to look at righteousness as a force, it will help you in your thinking, receiving and operating in it. If you break down the truth about righteousness into bite-sized pieces and take it for what it is, rather than what you've heard in church all your life, something is going to change in, on the inside of you. Something powerful is going to rise up and start declaring, rebuking, reclaiming, unshaking, enforcing, receiving, and rejoicing in the power and righteousness of the Lord God Almighty that has been given to you. So wipe away all the things that you have heard about righteousness or what you think it is. If you're ready to undo wrong thinking, pull back the religious curtain and see your God-given identity for what it really is. It's time to learn the truth about righteousness. Can righteousness, you can't earn righteousness. Can it be earned? No, you can't earn righteousness. In Romans, the third chapter, the 22nd verse, it says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. Do, not, do you struggle with feeling good enough for God? Good enough for his blessings and favor? Maybe you're working to live a righteous life with, through works 
and even comparing yourself to others in hope to f- of finding some place where you will finally feel like you deserve to be called righteous. Here's something that might mess up your theology. You can't earn righteousness because you already are righteous. You might be thinking, well, I don't feel righteous. But that doesn't make it any less true. The moment when the moment moment you were born again, you became righteous, not perfect, not holy, but righteous, right with God. How? By faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 3 verses 21 and 22. God's gift to the world was when Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You can see that in 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 5, verse 21. We who knew sin were made righteous when we were born again and became new creatures. We are born again. Then you're right with God. Are you born again? Then you are right with God. Now, not tomorrow, not when you do righteous things or your attitude is conduct is better. No, now when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior. That was a gift. Now, there may be some things in your life you need to change, but you're right with God. Righteousness is not connected to our conduct. You can't earn righteousness with poor behavior. It comes only through faith in Christ Jesus and is for everyone who believes no matter who you are Romans 3:22 that is a powerful and miraculous truth that would change your life forever when you really get revelation of it so in spite of anything you've heard or believed the truth is righteousness is a free gift. You're righteous because God say you're righteous. You don't need to take a vote on it. No one can vote you out. Jesus has been seated at the right hand of God the Father and the scepter of righteousness has been handed to him. Read Hebrews the first chapter verse 8. The scepter The scepter is what the king approves, anoints, and appoints. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that scepter of righteousness was pointed to you just as he promised. And you were presented to your father as righteous. Case closed. Isn't that good? That's awesome. 
Now, once you have revelation of righteousness as a free gift, you be- can begin to lean on it. Satan will come and tell you that you don't have any right to be healed, to receive fulfilling of the Holy Spirit, or to minister to others. If you don't have revelation of righteousness, you might agree with him. But when you see in the word that you have a right to the gift of righteousness, simply because Jesus gave you the right, you won't buy it when the devil comes promoting sin conscious. God expect you to take your rightful place and live in the truth about righteousness. Began to believe and walk in it and to lean hard on the righteousness which God has freely given you. When you come across rough spots, instead of buckling under them, you'll stand tall and triumph over them. You will become out victorious. Amen. Limitless love devotion. Sin consciousness is not God's will for you. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Read Romans 8, the the first chapter. Let me see the first verse. That's Romans chapter 8, first verse. If you were to ask most Christians, are you righteous? They would say, me? No, they're trying to be humble. They're afraid God wouldn't like it if they say that they were righteous. Actually, they're speaking from the way they feel, from the way they've been trained, from ignorance of the word of God concerning righteousness. Every time we stand toward, every time we start towards the righteousness of God, Satan jumps up in our path and say, remember those ugly things you done? Don't expect God to forget all that. Who do you think you are? You are too unworthy to approach God. This is called sin consciousness. Being focused on condemnation and negative outcome rather than what Christ has done for you. Sin consciousness is not God's will for you. Almost everyone is familiar with this scripture. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God in Romans 8 in the chapter verse 23. This scripture has been quoted untold numbers of times in preaching about sin. But read further into this passage and you'll find that Paul was really what Paul was really trying to convey. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. What it say freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus. When he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shed his blood. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right 
in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Romans 3 verses 24 through 26. God's will is that his people be righteousness conscious, not sin conscious, beating themselves up about every mistake they've made doesn't make you holy. When you made Jesus your Lord, he didn't just cover your sin. He put you into right standing with God and recreated you by the spirit of God as if sin had never existed. What? Yes. When you made Jesus your Lord, he didn't just cover your sins. He put you into right standing with God and recreated you by the spirit of God as if sin has never existed. But if you're like many believers, you haven't fully grasped that miraculous truth. You're caught up in sin consciousness. You keep thinking of yourself as sin stained instead of blood washed. Folks, it's time to believe the word of God. Did you know that there is no longer a sin problem? What? Yes, Jesus solved it. He stopped the law of sin and death at the cross and resurrection. The only problem we have is this sin sinner problem. It's man's choice. All we need to do is choose righteousness and walk away from the sin problem. What does that mean? Okay. It means no more being cursed minded instead a blessing minded. It means God inside minded, expecting the victory all the time. So I can say with confidence, thanks be to God who always give me the victory rather than, well, win a few, lose a few. No, win all the time. What? Yes, win All the time. It's time to accept the truth that sin consciousness is not God's will for you and to move in line with his this revelation of the truth about righteousness. You were a sinner. You have been forgiven. You are now his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, began to stand on this instead of your past life. As far as God is concerned, your past life is forgotten. Now you need to forget it. Amen. You need to forget it because God has forgotten. If you bring up something that you used to do, he'll say, what? I don't even know that. So you forget it. Learn to recognize the hindrance of fate. Understand your righteousness. Righteousness is a powerful force. Romans 5 verse 17. Much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace 
Grace is unmerited favor and the free gift of righteousness reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Righteousness is a powerful force. And this verse makes it clear. Receiving righteousness enable us to reign as kings in life. In other words, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness to enable you to reign in life as a king over your life circumstances. Are you reigning over your life or is your life reigning over you? Your righteousness is power, power to reign over your life, your garden, your body, and your household. Take that power and refuse to let sickness and disease come on your body. Take authority over it. Refuse to let lack come into your household. Take authority over anything that's threatened your safety. You are a world overcomer. Let's just repeat that. I am a world overcomer. You are the righteousness of God. Let's repeat that. I am the righteousness of God. So it is time by faith in the blood, that you start talking like an overcomer, acting like an overcomer, and telling the devil he is overcome. As a citizen of the United States, we have certain rights outlined in the Constitution called the Bill of Rights. The same thing is true with God. As a believer, you are a citizen of the kingdom of God and have a right to everything in the kingdom. And we, and he wants you to be a partaker. That's why Jesus said, fear not little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That would be found in Luke, the 12th chapter, verse 32. Righteousness is a powerful force. When we stand in the righteousness of God, we're just remember, we're standing in the righteousness of God, not in our righteousness, but in the righteousness of God. We have the right to stand without any fear, knowing that demons have to flee in the name of Jesus who defeated hell and death on the cross and the force of righteousness completely overcomes the power of sin and death like a bonfire overcomes a drop of water. We have more power over our lives as the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ than Satan had over us when we were in sin. Jesus has already won the victory. Satan is already defeated.
Get that in your, get that in your spirit. Satan is already defeated. Jesus has already won the victory. He was, Satan was whipped at Calvary. We're not on the defense, defensive. Satan is. So don't neglect, neglect the power of the force of righteousness. Stand in the truth about righteousness every day. Keep the devil on the defensive and, and occupy until Jesus come. Awake to righteousness. Awake to righteousness and sin not. That's in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter and the 34th verse. Awake to righteousness. Become aware that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you have been placed in right standing with him through the sacrifice of Jesus at Calvary. When you have a revelation of the truth about righteousness, it will stop the sin in your life. As long as Satan can convince you that you don't have any right to the things of God, he can keep you under his thumb and sin will control your life. But when you awake to righteousness, you will realize that Satan is a defeated foe and the struggle is over. Awake to righteousness. Become righteousness-minded. You have been thoroughly equipped to handle every situation that comes your way. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> Amen. You are to reign in life as a king by Jesus Christ. You are in life in fellowship with the Father. You are to live in fellowship with the Father. He chose to give you his righteousness, his ability, and his strength because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. 1 John Fourth chapter, verse four. Praise God. In conclusion, when you get a revelation of the truth about righteousness, you will finally be able to answer the question, what is righteousness? You will discover you can't earn righteousness. The sin conscience is not God's will for you. And that righteousness is a powerful force. Once you awake to righteousness, you won't ever again question your right standing with God. You were made, you were made to focus on, live in, and operate by the power of righteousness. It's God's will for you. And that is the truth about righteousness. So if you have to Go over this again. Do that until that revelation of who you are and Jesus Christ will come. Know that righteousness is a force. And do not let the enemy speak lies to you. You're not right. Don't let him bring up your past. 
bring up his future and he, and let him know that he's defeated. He know he's defeated, but he's a bully and he don't want you to walk in all what God has called you to walk in. So I hope this has been a blessing to you and share it, share it with others so they can know, so they can walk in all the things that Jesus has given us by dying on the cross, bleeding and and he rose again. All that is so much power, so much power that we need to walk in. So you be blessed and you walk every day in your righteousness because you are God made you right standing with him. When? When you accepted and believed in Jesus Christ and took him as your personal savior, you are righteous. Walk in it. Good evening, or greetings. Might not be evening where you are, but greetings. This is Rose Knowles with Reaching Kingdom People. And today, we're going to talk about God's favor. Everyone loves favor. (laughs) As Bishop Jake says, favor is not fair. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for favor. God's favor will change your life, and you already have it. So we're going to do, what, four points um, to access the favor of God each and every day. How would your life look if you were surrounded all day and every day by God's favor? How different would things be? If doors opened for you and you walk through each one covered with God's favor, would your actions and attitudes in every situation be any different if you knew beyond any doubt that success lies ahead because you are one of God's favorites? Would you find the courage to lay down your anxieties and fears? Of course you would. The truth is God's favor is the truth is God's favor will change your life. I'm going to give you four points to help you access God's favor each and every day. Are you ready? Let's get started. First, you already have God's favor. Just repeat that. I already have God's favor. Many Christians believe they have it to some degree or earn the favor of God. But the truth is, we already have his favor. 
God saved us because of his favor toward us. Ephesians 2 verse 8 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Amen? Simply put, grace is favor. God's favor is the power that changes things for us. First and foremost, you and I are saved by his favor. And I'm not just talking about going to heaven when you die. To be saved means to be delivered, to be protected, reserved, healed, and made whole. God's favor covers every area of our lives. By his favor, he has taken everything we will ever need, spirit, soul, and body. His supernatural favor is so vast that the Bible said, it is going to take all the ages to come for him to show us all the riches of his grace and the kindness he's given us in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2 verse 7. You may be thinking, oh, I can't wait until I get to heaven so I can experience the fullness of God's favor. You don't have to wait. God is pouring out his favor on us right here and now. Even before we were born again, he was giving us his favor. Amen. While we were still rebelling against him, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners, Romans 5 and 8. It, is, it was God's favor at work in, I, in your life that enabled you to be born again. From the moment you stepped into the new life, the moment you made Jesus Lord, God's favor began working nonstop on your behalf. Being born again was just the starting point for his favor to pour out and he will pour out grace and more favor to you every moment of your life if you receive it if you receive it do you receive it have you made Jesus the Lord of your life you can do it right now and it's just a simple prayer Psalms 5 verse 12 says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. This scripture is talking about the born-again child of God who serves him. It is talking about you. Jesus made you righteous. When Jesus shed his blood, he made righteousness available to all mankind. And with it came the favor of God. Isn't that awesome? It came the favor of God. God's favor surrounds you constantly. 
you have been born again into his righteousness. You should always see uh, yourself wrapped in God's favor 24 hours a day. Every morning when you wake up, throw off those covers and jump out of the bed saying, I am the righteous Lord, your favor surrounds me like a shield. Two, you receive God's favor by faith. Now, you may be thinking, Rose, I know a lot of believers who don't enjoy the, the kind of favor you're talking about. Their lives are full of tragedy and disappointment. Why does God surround them with favor? God does surround them with favor. They just don't know it, so they can't take advantage of what he has given them. You see, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, God's grace is multiplied to us through knowledge. The first thing you have to do before you can receive the benefits of God's favor is to know they are yours. Then you have to receive them by faith. Remember Ephesians 2, 8. God saved you by grace. God's favor provides every possible blessing and goodness he has to give starting with being saved. Your part is faith to believe and receive all he has given. Grace is God's saying, here it is. Here is all the good stuff I have to give you. Faith is you saying, thank you. Thank you. I'll take it. It's just that simple. So where do you get the Faith to receive. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 12. We find out that the truth about God's favor, goodness, and blessing as, he, as we hear the word on these things. Faith comes. We believe and begin to receive what his word says. Sometimes we would receive and sometimes we won't. Have you ever had that to happen to you? And that's because sometimes we have not had the teaching or the knowledge that when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, that favor automatically happened. So these things we have to read, we have to learn, we have to hear the word of God and receive them by faith. So we realize God's word said that healing belongs to us by the blood of Jesus, that it was part of, but part of the favor provided by God's salvation grace. Faith came, and then you have to receive it, and then you can live healed. You might be saying, well, there are so many Christians in the body of Christ that are sick or need healing. A lot of times, we as believers weren't taught 
that healing came along with salvation. And as we read the word and as we hear the word, we learn more about what belongs to us. Don't, that's why we can't get stuck. That's why we go from glory to glory. We can't stop learning because God is so many facets of God. So many, just like an onion. It's so, you peel one, there's another. It's so much to learn. God cannot just give us, let us see everything at one time. We, we don't even have the capacity to receive all of it. So it's, you go from one step to the next. And you see so many things that God has already given us. And God has already given us favor. But if we don't know it, we won't walk in it. Amen. Three, God is searching for someone to bless with favor. Would it be you? Would it be me? I take it. Sadly, many times we are slow to receive God's favor. We think we wait on him when he's actually waiting on us to receive. You see, God has already done everything it takes for you and me to be fully cared for while we're living here on earth. He has provided every blessing, health, prosperity, peace of mind, joy, deliverance from sin, and everything that pertains to our good life. Second Peter 1 Verses 3. Then he topped it off with the life in heaven. When we leave this earth, it's all part of his favor. All we have to do is stay ready to receive. Actually, we can get ready. Actually, we can't get away from God's favor. Second Chronicles 16, 9 tells us, the eye of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Perfect doesn't mean or doesn't refer to someone who's, who never make a mistake. Oh my. <laughs> it means someone who is loyal, devoted, and faithful. This kind of heart is always ready to receive the good things his grace provides. God is always searching for someone to bless. That's his nature. He is full of mercy and compassion. Because of his favor, he looks for someone who is ready to trust him. Would it be you? Are you ready to trust him? Someone who's ever ready to reach out in faith to receive his blessing and his favor. Are you that kind of person? Are you the kind of person who is trustworthy? Someone who is ready and willing to receive God's favor and blessing? So when we look in Matthew 6, that the Lord take care of his people and provide what we need. Faith came and we become born again. So we need to fall in love with the word of God and your faith will grow even to today. You think about when you first received Jesus and you start reading the word and you start growing. 
And then we start acting up on the word. We read it. We believe it. And then we receive it. And then we start acting up on it. And then we, we will start seeing a lot of things happen in our life. If you would like to open the door to the favor and grace of God, and who wouldn't, begin to find out what he says in his word. Discover the countless ways he desires to bless you. Believe him. Begin to expect to receive. Every day declare what the Bible says. God encompasses me with favor like a shield. Everywhere I go, everything I do, I am favored of God. That's from Psalms 5, verses 12. That may not be easy for you to do if you're covered up by challenging situations right now. You would have to share those challenges in the face and declare to them, You're favored by God. When you are telling you, hey, stupid, things are terrific. It's all over. You don't have any hope. If your mind starts telling you that, (laughs) things are terrible, it's all over. You got to look that in the face those circumstances, those situations, those challenges, and you're going to say, I have the favor of God. But I'm telling you, you can do this. (laughs) There are plenty of scriptures for you to stand on that firm. You are surrounded by God's favor. So at the end of this, we're going to go over those those scriptures, we got to start declaring the favor of our God on our lives. Say, what if you need a job? The next step in your life toward God's plan and purpose for you. Many people are in this, in this place today. When you go to that job interview, favor is what you should believe God for. Look up favorite scriptures Scriptures just talking about favor. Speak them over that job and just go in there expecting the Lord to give you favor. Remember, he favors you. Someone else may look better on paper than you, but when you go in there, the favor of God goes before you. That interview would think, well, you know, that guy over there has done more or been to school more, or done something else more. But there is just something about you, something about this woman, something about this man. I like this guy or this girl. What is it about him? I don't know, but I like him. I like her. I'm going to give him a shot at this job. Now that's favor, and you got it all over you. you got to declare that. Amen. You must release your faith for God's favor. God's favor is yours. But there is a couple of things you must do to fully enjoy its benefit. First, 
You must receive God's favor like every other spiritual promise by faith. Then you must release your faith. That's what Abraham, the father of faith, did. The circumstances look hopeless when God promised him he would be the father of many nations at his, at his old age, in Sarah's old age. Sarah, lifelong barrenness. How could it be? They received God's promise by faith in God's favor. For Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been promised, so numberless shall his descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter potent in his body. He could not do it in his natural self, (laughs) which was a good, his body was just good as dead because he was about a hundred years old. Oh my God. And we, when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb, which was dead, no unbelief or distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. And I love it when it says that Abraham was fully persuaded. He was fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and do what he has promised. Righteousness, standing, accepted to God will be granted and credited to us also who believe in and trust in, rely on God who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead Through him also we have access, entrance, introduction by faith into the grace state of God's favor in which we firmly and safely stand. Romans 4 verses 18 through 21, verse 24, chapter 5 and verse 2 and that was read out of the Amplified Bible. Looking at Romans 5 and 2 again, we have access by faith into God's grace. God's favor surrounds us. Our faith releases it. Glory to God. So we are just like Abraham. That's how it is in life for all of us. Sometimes things look bad, but we have to learn when we walk in faith, and face the natural facts. We believe God anyway. We grow to the point where we can hear bad news without wavering in our faith and receive God's favor no matter what the circumstances are. Receiving God's favor by faith is a simple act on our part. Get it into God's word. Put put the word into your heart. And speak it out of your mouth. Believe it and act on it and receive it. When you do that, you will be victorious in every area of your life. There is no circumstances 
no situation, nothing that is stronger than the grace of God, the favor that surrounds you. Whatever you may be facing today, stand up and get right in his face and say this. I am a born again child of the almighty God. His supernatural favor surrounds me like a shield this very moment. His grace is more than enough to deliver me out of this trouble. My faith is in God's word and I'm coming out of this triumphantly in the favor of God. Then began to expect great things to happen. I can tell you from the word of God and from my own experience, your life will never be the same when you act like the favor of God is yours. God's favor is yours. It's true. As a child of God, you have his favor surrounding you everywhere you go, in every area of your life. All of you, all you have to do is receive it. Here are five words-based confessions to help you receive God's favor in your life. And you can write these verses down and you get a hold of them. And you confess these every day until it just become so part of you that when you don't have favor, you're like, okay, what's up? You would know that God has favored you every day, every day. Psalms 5 verse 12. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor, you will surround him as with a shield. And you can make that personal. You can say, with favor, you will surround me as with a shield. But this is how you confess that. You say, God, you encompass me with favor like a shield. Everywhere I go, in everything I do, I am favored by you. Let's look at 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9. And it says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. So your confession would be something like this. Lord, here I am. I put my trust in you and know that you will keep your word and show yourself strong on my behalf. Let's look at Psalm 90 verse 17. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hand upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. And your confession can be, Lord, I thank you that your beauty, your favor is upon me and it establish the work of my hand. Because of your favor, my work succeeds. Let's look at Psalms 84 verse 11. The Lord God is our sun 
and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing for those who do what is right. And your confession can be something like this. Thank you, Lord, for the grace and glory that you give to me. You have withheld nothing good from me as I live a life that is pleasing to you. And don't be condemned. If you've done something that you know is not pleasing to God, you confess that and say, God, I'm sorry. Help me. And you, go, you move on because he has forgiven you. All right. Let's look at James chapter one, verse 17. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. And you will confess everything good and perfect in my life comes from the Lord. You are you who are full of wisdom and grace never change. And I praise you in all I do. Make these confessions part of your daily communion with God. Begin to confess the truth of his word and apply it to your law, to your life. So just remember, embrace God's favor and grace in everything you do. And just know that God is always looking to do you good. So that's the favor of God. And remember, God's favor will change your life. Be blessed. Share this with someone else. Until next time.